The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support the show. But for now, welcome, welcome to, to the, the Legendarium. Legendarium. Anyway, so yes, I will be drinking from my Bonds mug The today. one time Craig's been lucky. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> wow. Um. In the immortal words of Alanis Morissette, you're uninvited. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. You're invited. You're invited. Yes. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Oathbringer podcast. Uh, it's the long-awaited Oathbringer podcast. I'm Craig Hanks, your lovely, lovely host, who you're seeing for the first time in Shawl Collar, if you're watching this on video. It takes three hours of makeup to make that presentable, so just, <laughs> just, enjoy, just it. Get, enjoy it while it lasts. It's and over melt. there, he's crustier than a Parshendi in war form. It's Ryan Bruckman. Well, I've been in dull form long enough. And if Moash can get his own subreddit, then doggone it, so can he. It's Todd Wenty. You can insult me all you like. None of it hurts. My Vikings lost today. Uh, and she's like Lynn, constantly trying to break into the cool kid boys club. It's Megan Smythe. <laughs> You're just jealous that choirs of children sing to me while I read. What? Wow. <laughs> Welcome. How did it feel to, be, to have one zing back to it? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just so confused. I, I can't even. Okay. Well, anyway. Uh, welcome, everybody. And, uh, Should have reread the interludes. As, as I alluded to before, we are videotaping whatever we say. Recording? But whatever. There's no I don't tape. know what the There's word no is There's no tape now. involved anymore. Uh this is on video. This is on video. I don't know when it's going to be actually posted to YouTube, but it will be, so you Ooh. can start getting excited for that. Hey. Um, anyway, I, I do have a little bit of housekeeping to get through. Patreon.com slash Legendarium is where you can go and support the show. I had a thought as I was rereading Oathbringer, and that's that, uh, you know, there are a thousand, there are thousands, multiples, uh, of movie podcasts out there, mm -hmm. and I and so I've always thought to myself, why, why, why does somebody feel the need to do another movie podcast? And then I realized that there's a reason that there's only one of us. It's because nobody's stupid enough to try to read this many books <laughs> for this many episodes, week in and week out. Uh, it, it's it's an incredible amount of not just work but time investment generally from everybody here. So if you can, we'd very much appreciate it if you can uh, support the show. Patreon.com/slash/legendarium. Uh, it, it would go a long way toward just uh, helping this thing be worth everybody's while, I guess. Uh, and I I want to start paying these people, kind of. We need your money, otherwise this sheetrock has to stay here. Well, there Forever. is that. There is that. I do want to finish this project someday. Uh, all right. And the other thing, let's see. Thelegendarium.reddit.com is where you can go and join the conversation. And we hope you do that. Uh, studio update. For those of you listening, you can't see it, but you might be able to hear it. The audio quality, I imagine, is slightly different than normal today. I'm glad you said different and not better or worse. Just different it's a lot like the way todd's uh, elementary school teachers would describe him in just comparison to different. his classmates yes. trying to sugarcoat what they really meant just because i was on the short bus didn't mean it was a bad bus <laughs> it was just different 
Um, anyway, so uh, hopefully uh, this is fun. I, I The space is not even close to finished, but we thought, you know, we promised you guys video a long time ago. It's time to make good on that. So here we are. Yeah. You know, it's kind of one of those rain or shine situations. Anyway, uh, let's start talking about Oathbringer. Now, uh, there is one glaring omission here, uh, and that is Ken. You're, you're oh. saying that Ken glares? <laughs> <laughs> Just um, the omission does. Yes. <laughs> so what we're going to do, I, now I, I asked Ken if he would help us out by creating, crafting the intro that I normally do, uh, a recap for us. So we're going to play that now. Hi, Ken. Hey guys, time for some Stormlight Insight. I know by now you've all become accustomed to Ryan's chapter-by-chapter synopses, so I'll do my best to measure up. Prologue, Gavilar still dead. Chapters 1 through 57, punching and talking and magic. There you go. So Dalinar and the Radiants are undertrained, undermanned, and way behind schedule to be ready for the return of Odium, its champion, and the Nine Unmade. But hey, at least now that he's found Eurythiru, Dalinar can get busy bondsmithing and uniting the world. Kaladin learns you can go home again and show off your big shiny Silblade. He also discovers that all that imminent Voidbringer destruction talk may have been a little overstated and those freed Parshmen aren't exactly rampaging. They are, however, all being led by Voidsprint and those spooky fused Parshendi who are totally in the tank for Odium and are preparing to march on Kolinar. Meanwhile, kinder and gentler Dalinar quickly learns that the other nations of Roshar have long memories and they aren't exactly warm and fuzzy where the Blackthorn is concerned. All of that uniting and conquering we heard about by Alethkar's own Warriors 3 of Gavilar, Sadius, and Dalinar, yeah, it was bloody. So awesomely, epically bloody. So when the world leaders stop taking his calls, Dalinar starts dragging them into his storm visions. But luckily, one world leader needs very little convincing. Crazy King Teravangian, formerly of his giant plot to use a certain truthless assassin to wipe out most of the world leaders, he comes to Eurythiru, and he brings along his very own Dustbringer, who immediately rubs everyone wrong and totally isn't going to cause trouble later. Navani and a not-dead Yasna Kalin also get to share in the visions, and we learn that the loss of the Heralds and the fall of the Radiance might not be quite as cut and dried as we were first led to believe. What? From a Sanderson book? The visions also inspire a radical plan from Yasna to prevent a new desolation by finding and killing the Heralds. That's if they don't find and kill each other first because it sounds like the Heralds don't exactly all play well together. Looking at you, Nalan, and your skybreakers. Dalinar's work gets him also squarely on the radar of Odium itself, who hijacks one of the visions to beguile Dalinar into freeing it, but it's still too early in the book, so that doesn't happen. Also, Lyft shows up in the dreams and gets mouthy with Dalinar and agrees to join the team, provided that there's good food to be had. And remember when Adolin totally murdered High Prince Sadius? Good times, but now we have a dark copycat murder sprint running around. Thankfully, Shallan is there to put on faces, hunt down leads, and use her own Stormlight army to chase away the dark, tarry glob of unmade that's been squatting in the sub-basement of the Radiant's holy tower city. And though Sadius may be gone, old Witter Sadius is still hanging out, and she's kicking it with the Ghostbloods, y'all! And she brought back Bright Lord Amram to be the new Sadius, so that should be fun for everyone. Oh, and Shallan's brother Helleran? He was totes a skybreaker. Oh, short-lived Shardbearer Moash is back to being a slave of sorts and is totally feeling his Parshman sympathy. Oh, and Elekar swears fealty to Dalinar and wants to lead a team of Radiants back to secure Kolinar. Oh, and Dalinar can totally hear his dead wife's name again and remembers her. That's question one, guys. 
What's up with that? Also, are the original Radiants off the hook for dropping their shards and walking away? What happens when Odium actually makes good on its threat to kill Cultivation? The thrill. There's clearly something way more ominous behind that than just garden variety bloodlust. Why is Renarin so weird? <sighs> so many questions. My head hurts. I'm glad you guys have to be the smart ones for a change. Get to it. And please, people, no mating. Uh, all right, so I had a thought <laughs> while I was listening to this. Uh, I I want this to be Ken's new job <laughs> on the panel. Just telling people not to mate? Well, I mean, <laughs> the official legendary chaperone. Is that uh, to, keep, to keep you off me? Or? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, no, oh, wow. I, give, give Ken a week and a microphone, and he's better at that than I am, I say. So, uh, yeah, that was fantastic. And now that we're all caught up on what happened in parts one and two, because quite frankly... Huh. Yeah, this is like two books. Each part is its own little novel, right? It's two books worth of stuff that happened, and we're going to try to wrangle. Uh, so thanks, Ken, for reminding me what freaking happened in these two sections. Anyway, um, well, what, what? Don't, don't forget, every one of these uh, books is... Brandon Sanderson says that these are actually... You're reading three books in one. Right. It's three books broken into five parts in one volume. So we've talked about it before. Anyone who's approaching this series and is you know, coming new to it, whether in Way of Kings or anything, you are not reading one book. You are reading three books concurrently that are all happening together. So Yeah, it's a good, good point. Um, these are massive books, but we should try to talk about some of the things. As we do, I just want everybody who's listening to keep in mind that we are who we are. And what I mean by that is we are not... Uh, we're not going to get super duper detailed about every little thing. We're sure. not going to hit every plot point. There are undoubtedly things that you enjoyed that we are not going to end up talking about. And I'm sorry about that. But that's not really the point of what we do on the Legendarium. And so we're going to talk about the things that really jumped out to us and a few of the things that jumped out to you, uh, thanks to Reddit comments. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so hopefully we'll we'll hit... Some of the things that uh, you enjoyed by the book, but I'm sorry if we didn't get to your your favorite moment. Anyway, caveats done. Good heavens above. <laughs> Let's... I'm just really happy right now because Craig's already taking like the talk show persona. He's got his mug out, like <laughs> I, he filled uh... it up there, the Oathbringer mug. I brought this is my this is you guys can't if you're listening you can't see it, but it's my Bondsmith mug. I'm oh. pretty proud of it. Have you seen it? No. Yeah, it's my Bondsmith mug. I got it at the midnight release of Oathbringer at his signing in Provo. Uh, it was the last one. I, I walked up I to know. the... I he's, know. He's bragged about this several times now. This is the last Megan one. Megan hasn't heard this. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm Please sorry. Go tell. ahead. That's, Go ahead. That's all. I went up to the oh. counter and she said, we have one more of these. And I said, how much? Never mind. Just give it to me. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, anyway, so yes, I will be drinking from my Bondsmith mug The today. one time Craig's been lucky. And... I... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Wow. Um. In the immortal words of Alanis Morissette, you're uninvited. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. You're invited. You're invited. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. I. You've now earned yourself the kickoff spot. Megan. Mm, Megan. The first thing you would like to talk about from parts one and two 
we'll I think we'll each take a bullet point and then I want to send it to the Reddit questions. So you go, Megan. Let's see what you got. Ugh. Wow okay. us. All right. Um, I wanted to start with. Oh, I don't know how to start this. Oh well, just go into it. So Jasna says. Everybody, we've already talked about this. Everybody's I'm sorry. going to <laughs> I'm sorry. I almost choked on my sweet uh, Bondsmith mug. Was that Jasna? Oh, did you? You know what? I don't listen to these on book. <laughs> okay, go on with your Jasna. I know point. a Jasna. <laughs> Um, like I said, I'm probably not going to listen to this later, so I'm not yeah. concerned because uh, <laughs> I can't listen to myself. Um, Jasna puts it really succinct, succinctly. It's actually something you mentioned a little bit earlier. They will try to define you as something you are not. Do not let them. I can be a scholar, a woman, a historian, a radiant. People still try to classify me by the thing that makes me an outsider. They want, ironically, the thing I don't do or believe to be the prime maker of my identity. I've always reacted to that and will continue to do so. You are a man with complicated beliefs who does not accept everything you are told. You are decided how you are. De- you decide how you are defined. Don't send that to them. They will gleefully take the chance to define you if you allow it. One of the things I've found really interesting while reading this, and actually Bridge Four brings it up really pointedly and has a whole conversation about Renard and doing some feminine things that are just very taboo. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's interesting watching the different reactions you. Because when Renarin starts going to the engineering meetings, his father, Dalinar, starts sitting in because nobody's going to tell Dalinar that's not okay. Um, that was a good little father-son moment. Isn't that nice? Yeah. I just really pre- And I appreciated that Shalon noticed it. Um, with Shalon, she is also, she's, um, Adolin has started teaching her how to use a shard blade, which is a very masculine thing to do. Mm-hmm. I love that it's Adolin that's starting to, like, push her toward, like, he... The rich guys are not really terribly concerned about this. They're like, okay, so we're going to change the world. We're just going to do it. A little bit white male privilege because then you have poor Bridge Four who's been through so many different things. They, you know, were soldiers and then they were slaves and now they're back to soldiers and kind of radiance and training. Um, they're very worried about anything that's going to knock them out back down again. So they mm-hmm. have the conversation about Renarn and Kaladin mm-hmm. just again says, you know what? Change, change is happening and we're, it's because of us. We're the ones making the change. I just thought that that was really strong, and I'm enjoying that theme in this book. It's a very um, for me. I, I wrote down the same the same quote, um, and and the thing that the thing that I liked about it is that it's not just done with Dalinar. It's mm-hmm. done with all of them. Mm-hmm. It's very and for me at least, it's a very much a, a level three kind of a thing. It's it's one of these places where Brandon seems to get a chance to be. Not necessarily preachy, um, if you want to call it that, but he gets to he gets, he gets to, to make a point at he, least. He gets to address this idea. You know what? We all talk about changing the world. We all talk about the world being different, but we have. To, and he he does this too when he talks to um, when Kaladin talks to Hebdar. I can't remember who it was that he said was going to be basically the the chaplain uh, for all of the for all of the radiance and training. He said, "You can talk about a moral compass. That's fine." But just don't push your moral compass on everybody else. Mm-hmm. Make sure that the moral compass is the ideals, and that that's what we're talking about. That's what we ref- that's what we refer to um, as we're talking about what it, what it is that holds us, what it is that's going to be our cohesive value standard. I like the fact that you know that's a that's a question that rages in in all societies. Um, how do you how do you determine what's good and bad? How do you determine what's right and wrong? There are so many pieces of uh, 20th century history of 
history in general that deal with that very issue. And it's, it, I, I think Brandon does a wonderful job with it, and I like the way that he uses his character's experiences to explore what that means on a personal level while still making a global comment. Yeah. Well, and part of what I found so fascinating about this is um, that uh, in a lot of the Spren radiant relationships, it seems like the Spren is the opposite gender as the radiant. Um, you'll have Yasna mm -hmm. and Ivory and then Shalon and Pattern um, and Syl and Kaladin. And Syl just makes this very strong point of, you know, every, well, Kaladin remembers how his mother would say that everything has a spren and Kaladin all of a sudden is like, oh my gosh, does that mean some of these spears that I used were feminine were spears? Women. Yeah. And she said, well, you know, law of averages, probably. It's just kind of blows his mind a little bit, but they have this other voice. You have Yasna who's very much, I don't want to say feminist, but she's very much, I don't need a man to define me. I don't want to have well, she doesn't Regular need anybody life. to, she to define her. She it's it's to not like a her. feminist thing. It's just but at the same time, a personal thing. Yeah, she has Ivory, who she very much values, who sees this other you. And so, like, it's these Spren are kind of helping them to. Yeah. It's kind of cool that we bit. got to see Ivory. Yeah. And the, they, the, the description of, I, of who and what Ivory was, that was kind of a, mm -hmm. a fun moment uh, for me at least. So I, I want to bring up my point because it's also Yasna related. Um, there's a moment, there are several moments where Yasna shows herself to be the ultimate pragmatist. And <laughs> pragmatism is a, it's a, a virtue, if we want to call that. It's a quality that we sort of put on a pedestal in our culture. You, you say, what, what are we going to do about X? It doesn't really matter what it is. What are you going to do about X? whatever works that's pragmatism right and yasna is the embodiment of this and it's pretty disturbing sometimes mm -hmm. yeah. she says uh so they learn that all of the parchment are potential void bringers they're not the void bringers themselves but anytime you kill one of the fused they can simply inhabit a parchment's body uh and she says well there's an easy way to fix that Kill, kill them all. all the parchment. Yeah. Kill all the parchment. Uh, and then similarly, they learn about what uh, what happened with the heralds and why they why the not not the recreants. Uh, what happened with the heralds abandoning their mission and uh, and how it all worked at the last of the desolations. Yeah, when when they were all kind of sent to the seventh circle of hell to be tortured for thousands of years, and she says, well. So we're having all these problems. Let's just find all the heralds and kill them, and then they'll go back there and plug the hole again. Mm. And it's like, oh my gosh, Yasna, you're correct. Intellectually, what you're saying makes a, a, a hundred percent sense, uh, but it's really disturbing to listen to her sometimes. And this this kind of shows me. It reminds me of the limits of pragmatism as an <laughs> ideal, yeah. right? So did you did you guys have any similar reactions to when she was talking, or the opposite? I, you, are you are you a kill 'em all, Ryan? No, no, not at all. Um, I actually think back. Um, first thing, she seems different, having come back from Shadesmar. Agreed. Like there is something that happened in that. Uh, it it wasn't just that she came back all of a sudden and was like, "Well, I'm picking up where I left off." Which when we got to the ends of uh, the end of Words of Radiance. Um, we we saw her come back and take off with wit, 
for a little bit. Right. So there's something that has happened that is different about her. And so I was expecting a little bit of, of that, but it still did catch me a little bit off guard for her to go to genocide so quickly. Cause I would like to think that there would at least be a hiccup in wow. thought um, before you go. Yeah, we'll just do that. Um, and but, uh, you know, the defense to that might be, Oh, we're just, we're airing all of the options. I'm, I'm putting everything out there, but the way she says it. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't quite suggest that. So, yeah. so when you say that Yasna feels different, she seems different. Can you describe that at all? Can you put your finger on like, her personality focus. wise well it's not necessarily per there are certain personality things that might be a little bit different but previously she had a purpose and that was figuring out who um the void bringers were kind of the the research she was doing there mm -hmm. and when she got back all the work she'd been doing was done they had found yep. Orithiru, they had um figured out who the void bringers were like so now she's got to figure out a new mission she's got a new she needs to have a new purpose um and it's solving how do we stop this desolation basically and that change in focus brings a hardness to her that although she's always been kind of uh, blocked away from others or you know even with shalon and everyone like not letting anyone in now she seems to be very much driven with more desperation that's probably the best way to describe it yeah now that she probably has a better understanding of the scope of what they're facing it's it's on the door like it's not even on the doorstep it's in the house like she they are here we've got to solve this now and she probably honestly believes that she is the smartest person in roshar to be able to figure this out that she is going to be the one to save everyone by solving the puzzle of how to deal with this right so okay uh which is probably why odium doesn't go to her when when he's when the visions are occurring and other people are coming in because i think she would i think that if she were to appear, be approached by odium uh the way that dalinar had been approached at the very at the end of section two the conversation would have gone differently how so i think that she would have uh taken an approach to um to bind odium in such a way that all of the that that all of the war that was going on with the Voidbringers could have been ended, but it would have been ended at a cost that everyone else on the planet would have said, "No, you you can't." Her her goal of then let's just kill all the Parshmen would have happened, and that would have been it. Odium goodbye. Um, your ability to inhabit the the souls of men or the bodies of men through your spren is gone. Hate is is banished. Um, from this place because there is no one left to inhabit that way. I think it's interesting that I'm curious then as to why you might think what would prevent Odium from coming to someone like Yasin because that would probably work for him too. So that's uh, that, but that's the twist. Um, whenever you, whenever, whenever an individual says we will eliminate hate um, by killing off all of those who embody hate, they don't recognize that they have become the very thing that they despise. Hate? The very thing that they despise, uh. they they become the embodiment, mm -hmm. and so I think that within that within that conversation, um, we we see a different kind of outcome. I'm not saying that it's a that it's a different kind of con uh, that 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 this is done uh, on a on a casual basis. Brandon is giving us the opportunity to have the person who is seen as the embodiment of virtue. Um, have the conversation with Odie. Oh, Dalinar, you mean? Yeah. Oh, okay. The son gotcha. of honor. As he is, as the as Stormfather keeps referring to, right? Him. 
Okay, Ryan, uh, I want to hear what you've got. What's something you want to talk about? So this isn't really all that deep or anything, but it was one thing about this book, and I'll when we get to our final episode, I will I will discuss a little bit more in depth as to why this book has become so important to me. Um, but there were there's a moment in these early sections where Kaladin, who I have most closely associated with in this series up to this point, gets a win that isn't just becoming a Night Radiant. Oh, his parents? His parents and his new brother. Right. And that, going back there, because I, I was really concerned about if this entire book was going to be Kaladin off on a new adventure over here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, didn't want, I didn't want to go back to Way of Kings where it was everyone on their own adventure. I, I liked them together. I liked this group. So I got nervous when Kaladin was returning home and what that, that, what that could mean to him depending on what he finds there. And his experience at home was touching to me um not just because he found his family and everything but he got a little bit of got a little bit of retribution with um uh, Roshan Roshan yeah i when he that punched was... him when he punched him in the face <laughs> somebody that on, was from my friend Moash somebody on somebody on reddit commented that it was and i thought this was, was smart it was a good level 3 moment couched in a bit of level 1 punching yeah cuz he punches mo or he punches Roshan and uh, and then immediately he goes, oh, geez, well, I shouldn't have done that. I'm supposed to be better than this. It, you know, it's not anything lengthy or deep. It's just a nice moment of, no, I, I need to be better. Yeah. A, rem- a self-reminder. And it shows, so it, his, it shows his growth from from Way of Kings till, till now, because at a certain point, like, he probably would have not just punched him. Like, yeah, he would be dead. Right. Um, he he was very vengeful and, and hurt. And so he's grown a lot into his into his role as this lead wind runner, basically. Um, and I, I, I agree that it's, it's a nice moment there. But the other thing about that time spent at home. Um, it let it kind of lets Kaladin let some things go. He can move forward yeah. like his girlfriend. No, that's coming back. I'm putting money down on the table right now saying that's coming back. Really? That's she's been mentioned in every book. Okay. All right. Usually only once. She has a name, she's been mentioned. That's coming oh, back. Please. Oh, please. In a twelve hundred and fifty page book <laughs> in which you have eight hundred thousand named characters. I'm consistently I'm, I'm not seven hundred and fifty thousand named characters. Let's be <laughs> let's be fair. No, she's she, that's going to come back at some point in time as something that he has to deal with or whatever. Um, yeah, that's coming back. Uh, speaking of named characters, I'm going to skip real quick. I'll come back to you, Todd, in just a moment. But I got a YouTube com or a YouTube. I got a, uh, a, what's that thing called? Reddit. A Reddit comment about the character Lynn. And okay. Okay, do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. She's a scout, and then she wants to join Bridge 4. She showed up in Words, or, uh, Words of Radiance. She had just a brief moment in Words of Radiance. So here's how this happened. At some point, there was a Reddit comment made about like, or a Reddit thread that was started. What's your favorite? If you if you could inhabit any fantastical world, what yeah. would it be? And this person said, oh, a song of ice and fire, but I don't want to get murdered in five seconds. So probably Roshar. <laughs> uh, you know, I'd want to be in the way of kings. And... and um, Brandon saw this. This was, you know, several years ago now, five years ago or whatever. He saw this and he said, PM me your name and I'll put you in the next book. 
And she she goes, oh, you're kidding me. And so she he asked for what's your name and a brief description of yourself, your physical appearance, and I'll put you in the book. And so if you read Words of Radiance, she shows up and, uh, and, and she has a very brief physical description and then she's off stage and now she's back in this book. And so it's uh, this is a fan. Lynn, wow. I, I can't remember the, the actual name. It's short for something. And, and sorry, I'm, I'm, I don't have it off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, this is a fan of the book. Lynn is a fan of the book and is a now a named character who that has is, some serious screen time. That is in awesome. We're, so Brandon's going to find out about us see this and we're going to end up being like a circle of dull form parchment that just talk about things. <laughs> Either that or we're going to be yeah. part of the ghost bloods that get sacrificed on, yeah. a, ra- on a basis one by one. Oh. Except for I, Megan. Hey, Except for Megan. Cool. You know what though? I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> I've got no problem with this. Can uh, I fight back a little bit? I don't know. <laughs> okay. We'll, 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 we'll give you the, the diamond tattoo thing and we'll yes. talk about it. Uh, anyway, so Todd, go on. What do you want to talk about? Give me a point. Um, one of the, one of the things that I've really enjoyed, uh, is this glimpse into the history of the Blackthorn. Um, I remember when, uh, remember when he was finally able to hear Evie's name for the first time Mm -hmm. and, you know, part of me goes, okay, there's no way that this is going to all be good. This is surely going to go off the rails. But then we start getting all of these other glimpses in the past of who he was as the Blackthorn, of this of this berserker that would that surrenders to the thrill, and that that's all that he lives for is surrendering to the fight, the thrill, the, all of those kinds of things. Then he gets the shard plate, and when he surrenders to the thrill, he kills everything and everyone around him, his own people. He just stops short of killing his own brother, but he starts to recognize that shard plate. Um, has this has this effect on him, amplifying the thrill and making it that much harder to hold back uh, against everybody except the little kid that was going to be the heir, um, and that comes back with problems anyway. But then we then we see it's it's not just it's it's not that he can't it, that he has this he can't control it. Um, later on, the the bar fight scene where where he challenges the guy and he says, "Well, you know, everybody's come here for a fight. We may as well give him one." And the guy's like. Uh, no, my Lord, we're not going to do that. What? You afraid you're going to hurt me? No, not worried about that at all. His, who he was, was so brutal and devastating and barbaric. And it carries into this. And then we see him trying to become this diplomat, trying to become, uh, the person that can unite everybody. And he's trying to be like his brother with, with Queen Fen going, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, don't want to have anything to do with you. Don't want to have anything. And and it isn't until he gets her in a vision and she sees him and she talks to him and she's like, all right, now I can talk to you because now I feel like I'm really talking to the Blackthorn. I'm talking to you face to face. Now I believe you. Now we can talk. And this idea, yeah, people can change, but we don't always trust the changes that people are going on, that are going on around people. When the scribes are around trying to help him be a diplomat, she's not going to buy it. When he's talking himself, when he's when he's sounds like the Blackthorn and he's in his element, then she trusts him, even though he's much more frightening and deadly. And yet we trust that because that's what we know. Because it's known, yeah. Um, you actually said something in there that there's two things that I'm kind of curious to get you guys' take on. Um, first, when I first started this book, I, I felt really confident that we were going to be dealing with um, the wife whose name we couldn't remember. In mm-hmm, the first book. So mm-hmm. that was going to be... But I kind of pegged that to be an end thing, like boom, this this revelation at the end that breaks him. And instead, it's all the way back in page 250. 
<laughs> so early in this book. <laughs> so to me, that was that was a big surprise, and I'm kind, I was very curious at the time to sit there and wonder, like, okay, why did I need to know this now? Why is this happening now? Because it would be a great break moment, but I'm also not Brandon Sanderson. I'm not looking this far ahead or whatever. So I'm kind of curious as to what your guys' thoughts are in terms of why. Why do you think that that's why that's an issue right now? Why is that brought up now versus later? I think part of it has to do with him taking another wife. He and Navani get married, and it's only after that, and he, um, you know, takes an oath with her that I am I am Navani Collins, and she is mine. Um, and they he has a conversation with the Stormfather right before that, where he's talking about. You know, are all bonds good bonds? Like, are they all valid? Are they all good? And I just kind of wonder if the Stormfather saw that a little bit, him breaking his bond with Evie, um, which a little bit frees up uh, his brain or whatever the enchantment is that keeps him from being able to think her name or hear her name or remember anything about her. And, and I think part of it is going to deals more with the relationships that he's had, that he's developed that he's been able to develop with his sons and the different tracks that those are taking. Uh, Renarin on the, on the path to becoming a Knight Radiant and Adolin being a, uh, a hiding killer. Um, I, I, and, and being made the, the, what is he? The high prince of information. Information. Well, he's reporting. Are you talking about Adolin? Adolin. Yeah. Reporting to the high prince of information, but he's the, the investigator, the investigator of his own murder, murder, um, which I think, I think that's going to come to a head. I think all of these things put together are going to be a magnificent tool that Odium could use to break, uh, to to try and really attack and break Dalinar. Well, and it's so interesting because in all of these um, flashbacks to Dalinar's past, I talk about how he's the perfect soldier and he's the right guy to send out there because he doesn't really ask questions. And why are you doing this? I don't know. My brother told me to. Um, and Shalon, at times she'll be hanging out with Adolin and she makes this comment about how Adolin is the perfect soldier. Like he does what he's told and he's very precise. And I just, every time she says something like that, I just put my hands against my face and try not to scream because it just sounds like that's where it's going. <laughs> Except he's going to take the opposite I, You know, path. after a year plus of the Wheel of Time, I'm really enjoying being back in the driver's seat of knowing what's going to happen <laughs> and listening to people talk about this sort of thing. Craig told me not to read ahead, so I don't know what's coming. This is he, hard. He loves doing this where he says, so make a prediction. Make a prediction. It is a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, so I, I, was, I love Evie in this book. Um, and I'm trying to remember because I didn't get a chance to fully reread up through part two. Just making sure I'm not getting ahead of myself. Uh-oh. But Evie is not the person that you put with Dalinar. Nope. At all. No. Terrible and, match. Yeah. This is, this, this, it's, is it's a match. Of, this is the kind of thing that you look at and you say to yourself, well, this one's going to last for a little while and then everything's going to go wrong. So Hashtag as, arranged marriage. <laughs> so as I'm... As I'm reading through this and I'm getting to know this the, this Evie character, this wife, that something happened that was bad enough that Dalinar did something to erase or did something that caused her to be erased, like going to the old magic. So they talk about well, and and they keep hinting at that with his with his one uh, servant that became an ardent. 
used yeah. to be one of his fellow soldiers and something happened. And I'm sitting here and I'm saying to myself, oh, I'm afraid I know what's coming, but I don't want to know. Yeah. I'm, I, I really, for, for the first two books, anytime that we kind of get, and it's usually Navani is the one that brings it up, especially in this book. Anytime that that comes up, um, Evie, they talk about how Dalinar, I know you loved her. I know that you loved her, whatever. And I'm like, the little bit that I've gleaned about her thus far in the book up to this point, like, I, I don't think he did. Like, he, he appreciates that she's there and he comes to appreciate her. But at this point, like, I don't buy that Dalinar was in love with Evie. He, he married her for the shard plate. Like, that's why the marriage happened. He followed an instruction. Yeah. He was instructed, you will do this. Okay. So to me, that says, I need to see down the road some way that they connect or something that happens to make that a bigger deal. And the birth of Adolin is kind of a big deal. It is. And, and I, th I think we're, I, I, th and the, the, uh, the moment where she comes to the, to the war camp with Adolin and Renarin, mm -hmm. um, is kind of one of those moments where it's like, Ooh, okay. We, we've got some interesting stuff going on here, mm -hmm. but yeah, there's, there's, there's a connection, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure it would be described as love at I, this point. At this point, the thing that has struck me about their relationship is that they are both extremely strong, determined people mm -hmm. in very different ways and about very different things. But they echo that about each other at, at least, right? Yeah. They will do what needs to be done for their people. Both of them have done that. Both of them have done what was necessary for their people. And so I think that that's, that's something that is a, I th if that's the only thing that they, that they shared at the beginning, it's, it's enough to, it's enough to share a connection. It's enough to share a, uh, it's, it's enough to say, okay, we'll stay together because of, because this works for both our peoples. Mm -hmm. Both our peoples are counting on us to stay together. Uh, but I don't think we've, I don't think we've yet seen, uh, an affectionate situation between them yet. Right. Uh, I'd say that's fair. Uh, you guys want a uh, a Reddit point? Sure. From our old friend Crapspackle. Oh, hey! That's my favorite ever. Maybe, maybe my favorite ever Reddit <laughs> handle. Crapspackle. Uh, okay, and this this is a big one. Uh, and, and I feel like we could talk about this for quite a long time, but he, uh, I, I assume he, what woman would name themselves Crapspackle? I'm not sure. One but, who wanted to poke fun at your ability to think of only someone thinking Crapspackle is a male's name. Very, very possible. Yeah. Uh, Crapspackle asks, how did you feel about Shalon's representation of dissociative identity disorder? Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we need to talk about Shalon in general, and this will be an important point to bring up. First of all, I'm not convinced that that's what's going on with her. Everybody's talking about dissociative identity disorder, what used to be known as multiple personality disorder. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I don't buy it because this it, it's a conscious decision she's, make, she's making to create these personas. There's no memory loss. Mm -hmm. Uh, it it did grow out of the trauma of her past, mm -hmm. uh, but it also extent. but it also has grown out of her talents with art, um, and so I'm I'm not sure that what we're seeing here is uh, any sort of attempt by Brandon to do multiple personality disorder or something like that. Yeah, when, um, in a in a 
in, a, in the strictest sense, um, uh, disassociative personality disorder, there is a there is a primary personality that retains memory of all of the other actions that are being in, invoked, and that primary personality takes the role of protecting the rest of the personalities or the, the one personality that needs to be there. So there are some hallmarks that certainly don't exist with this, um, but I found it fascinating that um, pattern a spren uh, one of the chaotics that feeds on lies mm -hmm. has bonded with a woman whose livelihood, whose life is built around creating better lies. Um, she speaks about the other people as though they are other people. That's the one thing about this that's, that does feel very much still like a dissociative uh, disorder. Sure. Um, it's not that I shouldn't have done this when I was Vale. It's that Vale, vale shouldn't should. have drunk so much because it's taken me so long to recover. Um, and, and, and that piece of it, that's, and it, and it, Radiant could handle this, Vale could handle this, but I have to be Shalon. Um, there's, there's a, there's a piece of this where she does not see herself in, and, and the other people don't see themselves as connected. They see them as separate people. It's a really interesting experience. I'm not sure where it's going. I agree that there's, that it feels a little bit like dissociative disorder, what we might call that. Um, there are some hallmarks that are missing, but I think it has more to do with the with the the swearing of oaths, the the making of bonds, and the fact that pattern stays with her because there are all of these lies that she continues to tell, even if they're small ones, to everybody else around. Secrets that she's keeping from Yasna, from Dalinar, from Adolin, every, from from uh, from from uh, Kaladin. The fact that she knows that Kaladin is the one that killed her brother Helleran. Um, all of uh, all of these all of these secrets that uh, that are being kept are what feeds pattern. I wonder what happens if she ever decides to tell the truth. I, I have to make a slight pause. I don't know if I want to label this a correction, but cryptics are they are drawn to that, but they, I don't think they feed off that because what is it that Shalon has to do to become a radiant? She has to tell the truth. You have to tell a truth, a and it truth. has to be a strong truth. Um, so I'm not sure about the feeding on lies. It's definitely part of it, because he you always hear patterns say, hmm, good lie. Yeah. But but doesn't... Yeah. That, that was an excellent, thank excellent you. pattern. <laughs> yes, doesn't, thank you. But doesn't Ivory say that the that the cryptics feed... I think I think that's where I got it from, was that the crypt, he said the cryptics feed on lies. Right, it, but that, that may be a pretty unreliable narrator, just knowing that cryptics are not well thought of by other spreads. So see, this is what they do. They they throw these <laughs> things at us that they've already read that they no, know that we're that we're wrong with. There there are things this is here's the thing. This is book three of five. Book three of five. There of are ten. Well book three, book of, three five of, of five of ten. There are plenty of things that haven't been answered for us either. I that might be one of them, Todd. Yeah, yeah I'll buy that. Uh now, Megan, the reason I said we need to talk about Shalon is that Shalon is a bit of a sticking point in this book for a lot of people. Oh. She is, uh, hands down, through the first two books, my favorite character. Okay. Not not even a contest. I love Kaladin and Dalinar too, but I Shalon... I thought was your favorite. Anyway, continue. Well, we can get back I to that. I said it right, Yasna. <laughs> Yasna. 
Uh, yeah, you got to get it back that to sounded, the back of your mouth. Sounded a lot like pattern too. Ah. Uh, but a lot of people are very, very annoyed with uh, Shalon in this book. Huh. You know, and I'll admit that when I was reading this for the first time, and especially in these first two sections, I had a tough time with her as well. I just found myself enjoying her sections a little bit less. Did you have that experience? Why or why not? This is your uh, essay question. A little bit. My problem with, with Shallan is the way her character is set up. The I like her as a character, and I really enjoy um, reading about her getting to know herself and learning about these powers, and she's butting heads with Yasna. Um, what irks me is that there's this whole question of, is she going to marry Adolin or Kaladin? Like, you have to set it up so that somebody's going to get married. And apparently there are only three women, and one of them married Dalinar, and Yasna's not going to get married. So what's Shallan going to do? And that's the part that irks me the most. Um, I oh, really... I'm so excited for you to read this book. <laughs> <laughs> no, boosh! No spoilers. Too late. Okay. Um, oh, great. That's good to know. But I, with her, I think what I enjoy the most is seeing how she... Um, is, I don't know what the word is, how she's dealing with like this world of men that she's in. She's so excited when they find out about the second murder and nobody tells her she can't come because she's a radiant now. She's important. She can do stuff. She's not the girl that you sit in the corner anymore. Until Yasna shows up. Until Yasna shows up. Um, which is also interesting because she doesn't create a persona for Yasna. She's still trying to be herself, but she's like just butting her head up against mm -hmm. and just... She's like, okay, I have to be myself with her because she knows when I'm not. It's so hard because she knows who she is now, except who except she is. Does she? Is, I really, is multiple personalities. I really think that that was something that I expected to be a lot bigger deal, Yasna's yeah, return. me too. It was just kind of like, oh, yeah, she's back. Hey, that was the next... Uh... Somebody, somebody else on Reddit mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. Was anybody else a little disappointed? I was. It's it was a little disappointing, but if I really like when I really think about it, I would expect nothing less from Yasna. Like she's yeah, not going to make I'm the back. grand entrance. Yeah. I don't need a feast. Let's. We've got work to do. Let's let's move on. So it it makes sense. And they've they're all too busy. The Everstorm has caused problems. Like I I get why it makes sense, but especially for a character like Shalon, your mentor and and they deal with it a bit like okay, so am I your ward again? Am I not? Mm -hmm. Like, I figured out, like, I found this giant city that we're excavating right now. We're kind of figuring out. Everybody here loves me, and they all think I'm fantastic. Why are you trying to put me in the corner again? Yeah. Say it. Say it. <laughs> nobody, put, nobody puts baby in a corner. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> uh, uh, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, doggone it. I was distracted by Ryan's uh, man beard. <laughs> What, Eight Yasna days. coming back Eight to days. Shalon immediately chafing because she wants to be no, I, pure awesome? I Oh, I remember what I want to talk about. There was another Reddit comment. Somebody asked, uh, in, a, in a book that's this long, there's still, we know there were lots of things that had to be kind of shaved and, and taken out. And they were, I think they were talking specifically about the return of Yasna uh, and maybe something else. But the, the question was, if you were writing this book, or as you are reading these two sections, at least, what did we kind of gloss over that you would have liked to spend a little more time on? Uh, so the return of Yasna, we've already kind of talked about that. Mine, I'll give you mine, and that's Kaladin with the Parchman. Mm -hmm. Now, 
later on, especially throughout section two, he uh, Sanderson kind of gives that to Moash, and mm-hmm. so we we still get to see the parchment and and learn a little bit about what's going on there. But I liked it so much more with Kaladin because I don't care about Moash yeah. even a little bit. Um, and and so and I I enjoyed Kaladin's interactions because Kaladin has that charisma. He's a natural leader and all of that. And so I found his interactions to be a little more interesting with them. So I understand that. I think was it you, Ryan? You're saying you're kind of nervous that they were going to be off on their separate adventures. Mm-hmm. And you were happy to get them all back, and I I get that. I I think I'm with you on that. But at the same time, that is one thing that I was really enjoying and wished that I might have gotten a little bit more of. Do you guys have anything that you might put in that category? Rock. What about him? <laughs> um, I wrote down just one little thing that Rock was humming what seemed to be a tune that he could barely hear, his mother's song. It made me start thinking to myself, hmm, there's more going on with this, that they live by the Clear Lake, a place where people, a portal between worlds. I th- I think there's more going on with the Horn Eater people than, than we are getting information about right now. And and I want I, I want more of that the the little piece that we got where we learn his name, uh, and and he can he he shortens it himself to Luminor, uh, and then we get it shortened even further to Rock. I I love him as a character. I think he's lots of fun. I think there's lots being hidden there. Oh sure. And I want more. So wait, what you're saying is that. Sanderson is hiding something from us. I'm saying that he's doing a wonderful why, job why would teasing he, us. Why all. would he do that? I just can't imagine. Because, it, it because it's the second book or... of five of ten. Sure. <laughs> all right, Ryan, what were you going to say? Well, if I have to pick something that I want to know more about, I don't necessarily want to read more about it here, but I want to know more offhand is um, Taravangian. Like, oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. It, you get such little snippets of him, and then you're off, and you know that he is a major player. Like, and, and now we know that he's not just smart, he's smart bad. Yeah, yeah. At least, I mean... I mean, I thought he was twisted with a good heart. No. Just trying to do bad. the, like... Well, it, Trying to do the right thing in his eyes, but even then, like... Would geez. this be another example, like I was talking about Yasna earlier, uh, the ultimate example of a pragmatist? I'm, I'm going to do what's necessary. I'm going to do what works. The kill, difference, kill all the children. The difference is... Kill the children? Uh, go ahead. Well, Ryan. I would say the difference would be in that Yasna is trying to do what needs to be done for the... What her understanding of the greater good would be, like her, you know, to save everybody. It's to a, save it's a very, Roshar. Yeah, to save Roshar as, as a whole. It's a, it's a, a worthy goal. Taravangian doesn't seem to have the same end goal in mind. It's not save everybody. It's I'm crafting a new world out of this. Like, and so I've got to make sure it happens this way to fit within the diagram that I have laid out so that the world can be as I envision it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. So we've got a few more minutes. Todd, what's my timestamp? Four. 54? 56.41. Minus 10. Call it minus 10. Okay. Uh, So 46. We got 15 more minutes. (laughs) I have something I just want to get a take on really quick. (laughs) Something you need to get off your chest? Um. The prologue in this book, I've always loved the prologues of this series. Um, I'm not so sure Gavilar was a good guy anymore. No. Did like, any of us? Did yet? No. 
Like, there's, well, yeah, there's there are hints in the first couple of books where it's like he was he was trying to bring back the Knights Radiant. He, he adhered to the codes. He was trying to bring this. back the Knights Radiant by unleashing the desolation, or vice versa, or something. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's that's exactly the point. Is we find out in this one that he was trying to bring back radiant. That he was trying to bring to to make the people radiant again by releasing the old gods that brought the radiance to them. Which is why the Parshendi wanted to, made a, a, a decision to have him assassinated. Right. I'm, I'm, it's just for me, it, it falls perfectly in line with, with everything we've read so far about Gavilar, but it tends to twist everything previously just a little bit now mm-hmm. because it goes from, like Craig was saying, this man who is trying to instigate the codes and it, it always felt like he was on this righteous mission when it wasn't so much that he was not on a righteous mission, he's trying to bring a desolation because he wants to be more powerful. And he's somehow figured it out, and he instigates, he shows us this fabrio, basically, with a spren trapped inside of it, which we learn is the listener, that's how they take forms, is by trapping a spren inside of their gem heart. And so it's like, okay, that's that's good information, that's new information for us, relatively. Um, so I want to know what he had, like, which spren did he have inside that little black gem? And was that the, what does that have to do with the truth stone? Was it the the truth stone that bound? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about Zeth? Yeah. No. That doesn't have anything to do with it. I think that was just a rock. Okay, because that, that far, I was, as far as we know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, yeah. As far Pretend as we it's know. it's a rock. <laughs> they pick up a rock off the road and they're like, because you are truthless, this is now your <laughs> oath stone. Oath stone. Oath stone. Oath stone. Hey, I win. What? What were we just talking about? Who? Gavilar being a bad oh, guy. Okay. Uh, do we have anything more we want to say? Just on a that? slight diversion from that. I think yeah. it's interesting that Shonai comments that hey, the Parshendi thought it was, or the listeners thought it was so weird that you could actually purchase slaves, and oh, you could purchase Aleti slaves, and how weird is that? And so one of them buys one just, just to see, just because he can, and it turns out to be Zeth. And he's like, oh, he has this slave who is an assassin, so let's have him kill Dalinar, or Gavilar, because he's right there. And we have, and it's like, what? That is the biggest coincidence. Well, he says that he had... Welcome to fiction, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to fiction! It wasn't a coincidence, though. Yeah. No, it was set up by Terevangia. No, it was... Well, I don't remember. He says that he heard a voice. A voice told him to find... Was it Odium, maybe? Yeah, I could see like Odium or something like that, but there, there was a voice that spoke to him. To buy that slave, so I, I just I thought it was so interesting that in like in two sentences it linked it all together. I found one one thing that was interesting in that also in that, and I can't I think it was in the prologue, um, it, but maybe it was later on where we get this I, we get this vision of Yasna talking about how she's arranged assassinations before. Um, oh yeah, that was kind of one of those moments where I went, oh, <laughs> your family. Oh, okay, so we have a Teravangian on the good guys side too. Well, perhaps, yeah. yeah. We knew that she had that, though, from Way yeah, of Kings. She, she was always a bit of a badass. Well, a, a badass is different than an, than arranging... Than a loose cannon? Uh, yeah, and a, 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 a court assassin. Yeah. Sure. I think it's... I, want, uh, I think it's Way of Kings, and I, I think it's an interlude um, where you get to go back and see the night Gavilar was murdered from Yasna's perspective. Mm-hmm. Remember that? And she goes and she's talking to an assassin about someone that, you know, to have him killed. So it didn't really catch me off guard that she would do that. Um, I didn't find it to be a, a big character revelation. But 
I don't know. She's, I, for me, the big question with her is what is she not willing to do or where is the line for her? And part of it for me is what has she learned from Hoyd, from wit, mm-hmm. from those conversations? I And her time in shades, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, mm. Beads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, I don't, I I don't know where that came from. I'm very interested in the in the whole Parsh, Parshman um, side story, where I it's in the interludes where we have Venli discovers that Ashonai has died, that she drowned, um, and then had some like little tiny lights friend, like a little comet running around. But then, but in her second interlude, she one of the void bringers overtakes her mate and yes. she discovers that, oh, this is actually a lot worse than I thought it was. I really yeah. thought it was just us being stronger, better ourselves, but no, somebody else is going to really come in and take and destroy over our everything. bodies. Yeah. It's taken me a little while to be able to differentiate between the levels of the Parshendi now, mm-hmm. because you had their original forms. Then you had then at the end of words of radiance, we get introduced to this storm form, the, these new forms of power that they're really excited about. And now we've got like supercharged the fused that are just ridiculously powerful. And some of them are crazy. Some of them? (laughs) They are all crazy in different ways. They're all crazy. Hey, did anybody else, uh, is anybody else intrigued by the fact that the Parshendi are treating all of their slaves so much better than Sadius ever did? When when Moash is looking around and he says, "When I when I when they realized my boots were getting worn through, they gave me a new pair of boots." I mean, it's just it's just really been interesting for for me to see both from Kaladin's perspective and from Moash's perspective his ex, their experiences with the Parshman and the Parshendi. And this is it's something that I brought up when Ryan and I did our spoiler free review, but I I think this is a good place to bring it up again, and that's the. Uh, the idea that Brandon Sanderson is not trafficking in allegory, which makes him so much more fun to read. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is it's really tempting to look at the the Parshman and say, oh, well, they've been freed. That reminds me of some other, you know, slavery issues in the past in Western culture specifically. And, and it, it's very tempting to go down that road, but he doesn't. Uh, there's no one-to-one correlation here, and that's one thing. If if I were uh, introducing somebody to the Stormlight Archive or any of Brandon Sanderson's stuff, it's uh, be aware you can draw you can draw conclusions. You can you can get applicability, as Tolkien would have called it. You can get a lot of applicability out, out of what he writes, but there's no allegory. There's no one-to-one. The parchment do not equal African slaves in the, in, in the southern South. states or yeah. whatever um and and this is a, a good example of that where he doesn't treat the issue the same way that you might if he was trying to uh to make make a point about american history or something and and so that, that's really nice i i tend to dislike allegory unless it's very very specifically done mm-hmm. um and so i appreciate that about sanderson's works Relaine makes a comment is that how you say it sure yes okay um, he makes a comment about how he, be- he believes himself to be the last of the listeners. And it wasn't until he got to that point that I realized that aside from, well, I don't even know if Enley does it anymore, but they really haven't 
there haven't been a lot of um, references to attuning to the rhythm of um, from the parchment. And maybe that's mostly because we're getting it from Moash's point of view. But in By the that, way, that really sounded like a, like a rock song. A killing in the name. <laughs> Sorry. Go on. I'd like to. Oh. <laughs> hey, welcome Just to the legendary way, way to crash the point. Yeah, this uh, is uh, this is what he does to us all well, the no, time. They, Par for the course. This, there's this interesting. Um, she can dish it, but she dialogue can't take it. Shonai has where she's noticing in the prologue about the differences between the humans and the listeners. Like the humans have their mate form and their war form are combined, so they're all conflicted. Um, but she also oh, comments that, was so that they're interesting. I loved reading that. So cool. But she also talks about how they show their emotions um, on their face and through their voice and all these different ways. But the listeners show their emotion through uh, through the rhythms. And if they floss that, like they really, I mean, I guess they really are extinct. And Lane would be the last mm -hmm. one. But I, how would he retain it if nobody else had? Just a question. I don't expect an answer. Luminor. We have the other thing with the Parshendia listeners as a whole. And I think that it's important that they're called the listeners more often than the Parshendi now. Um, we have, through the books, slowly developed a better understanding of them and trying to get their viewpoint, whether it be through Eshenai, Venli, or Moash's uh, time with them. Um, but I find it very interesting. In the first book, in Way of Kings, they are just this war force out there. And we get a little bit from Eshenai's perspective, but it's not much. Mm -hmm. And then in Words of Radiance, we start to understand, as they're searching for Stormform, what dire circumstances they're actually in and a little bit more of their history and, and what's going on. And now we hit Oathbringer and they are they have changed from what they were in those first two, but we spend time with Kaladin, with Moash, getting to know this group and starting to sympathize more with them than you mm -hmm. ever would have in Way of Kings. Yes. And I find that I, that is God that it has to be purposeful. Mm -hmm. I mean sometimes a lot of times Brandon Sanderson doesn't say that this is right or this is wrong but if he's going out of his way to give both perspectives that means you should probably be taking some time to understand yeah. each side a little more he, he he wants us to he wants us to empathize with both sides enough so that when he does the big reveal later on in book seven of ten or whatever that it will have that much more impact or on book page seven 622 or... which we haven't gotten to yet yeah well that's what they do to us all the time wow, wow. these two <laughs> so want to make a prediction yeah i want to make one let's see how many wrong predictions <laughs> well, i can make this uh, time around. we we should start <laughs> in that way i if there's something that i'm were we going to do a giveaway no nah, not yet i'll i'll announce a giveaway later um if i'm looking forward to something at the end of part two and i'm thinking back to when i had read the book the first time if i'm looking forward to anything it's uh Kind of going back, I'm sorry, going back to the point I was making before about slavery and, and non-allegory and all that stuff. But anyway, thinking of the issue of slavery in this book, it's very, very interesting to me to see that the Parshman go from one form of slavery to another mm -hmm. from a certain perspective, from, yes. from a certain point of view, as oh, Obi-Wan would say. It. Uh, it, they, they, they are freed... Uh, mentally, and they're able to adopt the different forms now, et cetera, et cetera. But they're immediately set upon by these fused, and they're manipulated, and they're, I don't know about coerced, but they're 
uh, uh, I'll just stick with the word manipulated for now into doing what the fused want. Right. And uh, and they don't seem terribly um, upset about what happened, except that the fused keep telling them they need to be. They these people were awful to you. They kept you as slaves. They you know they keep feeding them this. You need to be angry. Be angrier. Be angrier. Uh, so that they can use them to conquer the world, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's uh, it's a it's a less obvious but maybe just as insidious form of slavery that they've been uh, shoved into at this point. That's what at the end of part two, I'm really interested in seeing is where the Parshendi go from here. Yeah. Um, okay. So, what are you excited for, Todd? What do you want to know? Ooh. And what are you predicting? Um, I'm predicting that, um, I'm predicting that we're going to learn more about what's going on with Renarin and how he fits in or decides to fit in to this, uh, magnificent refounding of the orders that he's going to stop being a tag along and he's going to do his own thing, uh, or at least start exploring that. Um, that's my prediction. What do I think I want to, what do I want to learn more about? I I really want, um, I want to learn, I want to see more about Moash. I'm hoping I see more of Moash because um, when, when, when we've read about Kaladin. You are literally the only one. That's likely. That's likely. (laughs) There is, Um, there is, there is a subreddit out there. Dare I say it? Earmuffs, Todd. It's R Moash. (laughs) I like it. The reason that I want to know more about Moash is because I am hopeful that Moash is among the individuals that will be redeemed in this process. And when I say redeemed, I mean that he will get to a point where he finally realizes that um, that as broken as the system was, he can be part of fixing it. <clears throat> Ryan is... I know, he's covering his face. He's covering his face. Losing his mind over here. What What's going on, Ryan? Which means that I've <laughs> guessed wrong and I'm never going to learn. No, not, I'm or, not saying anything. Or you're dead on correct. <laughs> All right, let's just move on then to Megan. Megan, uh, what are you looking I, forward to? I am looking forward to finding out what happens um, when Elkar and Kaladin all head out to Elkar's hometown, which Elf- I can't think Colinar. of it. Yes. Colinar. Colinar. Um, I want to know what's going to happen there. I am a little bit afraid that the whole town has imploded based on the riots that popped up at the oh, end of yes. Words of Radiance. Um I really want to know what happens there. Does Shalon get to go? I don't, I'm not looking at you guys. Um, does she end up going because Jasna said no? Or does she sneak out? Does she go as Vale? I don't know. I'm very excited to see what happens there. Okay. Ryan, do you have any memory of where your mind was at at the end of part two? Um, or do you just want to so- give a final thought in general? No, well, at the end of part two, I remember because we talked about it. Oh, hi, Odium. We have a face. Okay. <laughs> exactly. This, Hooray, Lift this, is back. This, and he was, old Lift was cool. <laughs> and he was so nice. Yeah, yeah. this nice, nice old, old man. man. The devil always is. But that was weird. I'm, I, one thing that, that I don't know if it was at that time, but throughout this entire book, I always was more excited because. One of the 
complaints, and I put that in air quotes, um, afterwards of Radiant says, oh, well, look, all of a sudden, now we have a bunch of Knights Radiant. You know, they're just popping up like crazy when it's right. taking forever to get them. And so I, I loved that we have this squire set up so that when Kaladin's close enough, these guys need it, and we're starting to see more Knights Radiant. There are 10 orders. Where are they all? We've seen, what, three or we four? We have Kaladin's a Windrunner. We have a Lightweaver in Shallan. We have a Bombsmith um, in... Dalinar. Dalinar. We've got a Dustbringer with, uh, who's traveling Tar- with Taravangian. We have an um, Elf Caller. Elf Caller in Yasna. We have a Truth Watcher in Renarin. And an Edge Dancer. And an Edge Dancer in Lyft. In, so we've got, and we've got to know the Skybreakers a little bit. Because wasn't Zeth is with Zeth is with. He's not a Skybreaker yet. He's, oh, with, he's the with the Skybreaker. Isn't the, is the Skybreaker Nile? Nal. Nal. Whatever. Nal. The, yeah, one of the, one of the Heralds. That, um, that stayed on and that was killing people right before they would bond with Spren and bring back the... Radiant. Yeah, he was trying to prevent the next desolation that was, from coming that was by kind killing of a nice off the little, That was a, kind of a nice little... I'm going to throw this sentence in. It was like... Yeah, if you've read Edge Dancer, then you get more of that story. Yeah, um, yeah. So that we've got eight, and I'm trying to think. I, I don't know that we would... We don't have a... Um, uh, gosh, <laughs> the, I, this that is why. Is honestly, what we don't this have. is why I don't even try. I so there's two left that notes. we don't know. I, there, sh- there's two left, and um, I want to say one of them is <laughs> the word that's coming to my head is not it because it's I'm thinking Rock Slayer because in the in the in the prologue of Way of Kings they talk about how you know this group did a good job because the um, what are they called the giant stone creatures. Yeah, uh, that they, they were destroyed and like oh they, they they did a good job. Thank you. Yes, I know it's great radio. It's, and I'm doing no, I'm, you know, with, so, I'm right there with you because you're going. Oh, what are they called? And I'm like, I have no freaking the, idea. I can't remember. The thread is going to explode. So, yeah, so, like this is one of those moments that there's somebody who's got it memorized. It's yelling at their radio right now. I can't believe you don't remember these. You know these big two. giant stone thingies. Yeah. Uh, it's on the cover. The Thunderclast. Hey, Thunder thank you. Thunderclast. There it is. Uh, <laughs> all right, you guys, we should probably call it because, shocker, we went a little long. Stone Wards, Will Shapers. Stone Wards, Will Shapers. Stone Wards and Will Shapers. We haven't really heard either one of those two. Uh, Not in modern. I, I, you know what? I don't want to talk about this anymore because we're done. That's that's why. I just say one thing. <laughs> oh gosh. I'm just really surprised that none of you mentioned the fact that there's a female parchment out there named Ken. Really? Ah, I forgot about this. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. What was that name again? Uh, It was Ken. Okay. I have to ask a question. Ken the slave woman. Ken the parshendi woman. I have to ask a question because if we if it is in this these sections and I we don't talk about it we will get yelled at. Um, Ah, jeez. The library. So much for ending. I, library. Uh, the library. Oh, dark yeah. shadows. Is that ringing a bell with anything? Yes. Oh, we didn't even talk about freaking. Yeah. Face of fear. Right. Yeah. The and, the unmade in the basement of Urethir. Okay. We didn't and and Renarin and Renarin opening up all of the drawers. Mm-hmm. That's Ooh, that's why drawers? I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Seeing what he's a truth watcher. He sees he sees how it works. How things how that. Works out so, but yeah, that whole this whole introduction of a brand new villain subset because Dalinar sees Odium. Oh, Odi- the the Odium's champion. Odium's champion with the nine shadows, and we see we are introduced to the unmade, 
which to me was huge and super exciting that we now have what I will call a sub boss, I guess, if you're a video game player or whatever. Like, a mini boss. Mini, mini boss. boss. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Okay. Something like that. I and I, I loved them dealing with that and it tied into Adolin's whole murder thing. So Yeah, we didn't we didn't even get to that. And I'm sorry. Yeah, you but did, we don't, you did but we don't the have beginning. the time for it at this point yeah. to really give it what it deserves. Uh, and so I'm really glad that I put a little caveat at the beginning that said, I'm sorry, we're not going to get to fill in your favorite thing here. <laughs> like, it's, uh, we only have so much time on this podcast. So anyway, let's go. And uh, if you have made it to the end of the episode, then you should know we are going to do a giveaway. Hang in there. We will announce that. I think at the next, during the next episode, we'll announce the giveaway and then we'll uh, pick a winner by the third Oathbringer episode. Um, so, yes, we will get there. And uh, if I understand correctly, Ryan, we have an excellent prize. Yes, I believe so. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. So, we're going to be giving you Craig's Bond Smith mug. Nobody, you can have my Bondsmith mug when you pry it from, from my me. from my uh, adhered fingers. <laughs> so anyway, bonded to the mug. Too late. Thanks for listening, it's everybody. Uh, thank you, thank you very much for listening. Head to Patreon.com/slash/Legendarium to support the show and go to the Legendarium.reddit.com to yell at us a lot for all the things we missed. Um, and this is the, I, I'll take just a second and say the post episode threads are oftentimes where I like to interact a little bit more about the points we missed when I, when I put up the pre episode threads and say, what do you guys want to hear about? And I kind of stay more or less silent on those. I don't do a lot of commentary on those. Uh, but I, I'll be very active on that thread. Uh, Ryan will probably pop in every once in a while. Uh, you're not as big a redditor as I am, but uh, but Ryan will pop in there too. When my name is said three times in a Reddit thread, I show up. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I hope to see all of you guys there, and uh, we'll definitely see you in just a few weeks. I think three weeks until our next Oathbringer episode. We got a couple Narnias to get through. Thank goodness for Narnia. Good heavens above, two hundred pages of easy reading, ladies and gentlemen. So. Uh, yeah, we'll see you then. Thanks again, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.